Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Trimming the tree. Finding a turkey. Hunting down those last few things for the stockings. And the list goes on. The holidays can be a stressful time. Add to this public health warnings about the new Omicron variant. Then there is the rising number of new cases of COVID-19. And don't forget the officials pleading with us to take precautions to avoid a major surge that could overwhelm local hospitals. It can all be a bit much to handle. Jennifer Cox and Emma Taylor are two mental health care experts with Northumberland Hills Hospital. They have a lot of good advice to help you steer your way through these trying times. Have a listen. I'm so pleased to have with me today Jennifer Cox, Vice President of Integrated Care, and Emma Taylor, Interim Integrated Director for Community Mental Health at Northumberland Hills Hospital. Welcome to Consider This. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, thank you. Christmas is always a stressful time of year for many people. However, it's also another year with COVID-19. Let's get right to the meat of this. How can people avoid burnout with so many stresses and pressures? Who would like to take that first? Maybe we'll start with you, Jennifer, and then maybe Emma. Um, sure. So I, I think that, you know, there's this year presents another unique uh, challenge again for everybody in our community, right? So we're we're not just faced with the ongoing pandemic, but now we're faced with a variant that's rising. So there's lots of concern about that, and you know that's sort of the umbrella. But underneath that is the Christmas. Um, expectations that people have on themselves, right? So, you know, it's, I think, not to dismiss both of those factors. Um, Christmas itself, the holiday season itself tends tend to create some, you know, increased feelings of sadness or um, depression or feeling isolated for a lot of folks. So I think, you know, ways to try to avoid avoid burnout really the first and probably most way that we recommend for people is to really actually get very good at what we would call um, doing a checkup from the neck up or also taking your temp taking your own temperature and I don't mean sort of your body temperature but I mean really knowing for yourself what are the signs that tell you that you need um, a break you need you're going too fast you're getting too overwhelmed we are very good at knowing when we're not feeling good physically right I'm very good at saying oh that's my usual runny nose because I I know I'm allergic to my Christmas tree so I know that you know this happens for me and it's going to last a day or two and then this but I'm we're very very good at monitoring our physical symptoms, but what we, what Emma's team really wants to be able to help the community is get better at monitoring their mental health symptoms so that you actually know 
when you when it's time to do something to take care of yourself when it's time to intervene before it gets to that point where you know we're we've had this long horrible day we're coming home yelling at people at our house and then you know just feeling exhausted Emma, maybe yeah. you could elaborate a bit upon that and explain to us uh what uh jennifer was saying about how do we train ourselves to be better at taking our mental health yeah sure so christmas pandemic or not, is always a very busy time of year. We know that there's lots of chaos and it's hectic and people are running around trying to get all those last minute things done. And very typically, self-care goes by the wayside. And we just, we have ourselves so scheduled and so busy that we don't remember or we don't think of taking those brief moments to take care of ourselves. And it can be something as simple as having a mindful minute and just taking a deep breath. It could be something like giving yourself five minutes of quiet time to collect your thoughts before you run into Walmart and try to get those last minute stocking stuffers. Um, So that's something that's really important. We're also focusing on uh, some self-care strategies that people can implement just on a daily basis, such as healthy eating and making sure that they're getting a restful night's sleep. I'm not even going to get into, you know, the whole six to eight hours a night or eight to 10 hours a night, because that's different for everybody, but making sure that you're getting good, healthy, restful sleep. And the hydration is really a big one that we, we overlook quite often. So making sure that we're taking our, taking care of ourselves that way too. Can we look just at the normal stresses and strains surrounding the holidays at this time of year? What are some of the typical demands that are placed on people and how would you recommend dealing with these? Maybe I'll start with you, Emma. Um, So Jen kind of touched on it earlier. Um, When people are feeling overburdened or like uh, they're they're coming to the end of their wig, um, you know, their fuse becomes shorter and maybe they aren't coping or dealing with things as, as well as they normally would. And they're becoming frustrated more easily or feeling overwhelmed. Um, those are all signs that we need to reevaluate. And like Jen said, check our temperature and not in the way that, you know, we walk into a store and people are checking our temperatures for COVID. Um, but check our temperature in terms of how we're coping and how we're managing the stresses of the holidays. Jennifer, you might hear the term holiday burnout. What is that exactly? And could you also elaborate at the same time on uh, something you said earlier about managing expectations? Sure. So, and I think those two things are quite connected, right? So holiday burnout is what we would say in mental health, you know, a function of the shoulds in life, right? So we have a lot of shoulds that we place on ourselves just in daily life, even taking out the holidays, we, you know, think, well, I should be a better parent in this way, I should be doing this at work, I should be, you know, achieving this goal, I should be making this much money, I should live in this house. So, you know, we could go on and on. And um, we have this saying in mental health uh, it's called that we're we're very good at shooting all over ourselves uh, and it's a you know it's just to play on words of course but it's true I mean it, one of the things that we've talked to clients about and at the clinic is um if you actually kept account and actually paid attention to how many times you thought I should I shouldn't Um, you would be surprised at how much we're saying that to ourselves, that sort of talk. So then you add Christmas on top of that or the holiday season in general. And there's a lot of shoulds that we have adopted 
right? So, you know, I, I bet I should be spending this much money. Um, if I care about somebody, I should be, you know, giving them this kind of gift, or I should be showing my house should look like this, I should be baking this, I should, you know, and so it, it just sort of creates this, it becomes really a pile, right? And it it's becomes a list of overwhelming tasks, rather than actually a, an experience, which is, I think, the difference between, you know, being burnt out is look, is having just this task list versus having experiences, right? So it, that's part of managing expectations is really part of that. And it, a part of that is really being clear with yourself about what's reasonable uh, for one person to do, what is reasonable, um, and communicating. So the clear communication is the second piece of that, right? Being able to tell the people around you what is reasonable for you, being clear around maybe suggesting something different this year as compared to what's always been done. I think people kind of fall victim to, well, we've always had this tradition every year. We've always done these things. We've always had the full family or we've always had, you know, but we have a difficulty with adapting our traditions to change, which I think the pandemic has forced us to try to adapt to change, but we still hold on to some of those things. So managing our expectations around what's reasonable um, to manage through the holidays and what's also reasonable around timeline. Does it all have to be done? Uh, does everything have to happen at a certain time or a certain day or the other thing is giving ourselves a little bit of a break. I want to suggest to people that if we're feeling overwhelmed and all of the shoulds are sort of adding up in our lives and our expectations seem to be getting to be too much, it's very likely that we're not the only ones and other people around us are also experiencing that. And so opening that door to say, you know, maybe we could actually look at something different where we're going to enjoy it or you know, we're going to change our usual way of celebrating, other people will probably also feel relieved from that conversation. It's interesting. I had a conversation with my neighbor the other day, and they looked at me and said, you know, Christmas is going to come whether or not I get certain things done. So there's no point in sweating it. It's very true. Yes. It's it, December 25th is going to come whether we have lights on our house or whether we put a tree up, it's still going to happen. Emma, now let's look at some of the additional pressures of the pandemic. Now, there's growing concerns about this Omicron variant spreading. There's limits on family gatherings. How do these pressures play on top of the usual ones that you described earlier? I think it kind of adds on to what Jennifer was speaking to earlier. Um, w- right now, people are still trying to figure out how do we how do we continue with our regular traditions and and make Christmas as normal for our family as we possibly can. But now we're considering this new variant and and the risks that go along with having family gatherings, um, and we're really looking at the pandemic fatigue that's been happening. So people people really want to get back to some sort of normal way of life, um, but they're also trying to evaluate the level of risk. Uh, they're, they're trying to consider what the impacts are gonna be um, on children of continuing to, to live in this kind of isolated bubble that, that we've created. Um, so th- that's all in addition to kind of the typical, typical stressors that we have. Um, we're seeing an, a huge increase in people who are reaching out for help. Uh, our, our calls for crisis supports have increased by 115% this year in, in comparison to our stats from the year before. So that's a, a huge increase in, in people who are, 
are requiring help for crisis that they, they wouldn't have needed prior. Would you happen to know those numbers off the top of your head, the comparators? I just have the stat, the, the percentage. I don't have the actual number, but yeah, it's 115% higher than the previous year for our crisis calls. That's more than double is what you're saying. Yeah. And is it just for this season or is it over the, the entire uh, calendar that's, year? That's the course of the entire year. Can technology help in these situations? I mean, we have amazing technologies now that we're, we're becoming more and more familiar with Zoom, FaceTime. I mean, there's always the old-fashioned phone call. How, how do we mediate these kinds of things in the face of technology? Maybe, Emma, you'd address that, please. Yeah, sure. So I think that we, just the, uh, the, the lifestyle that we're in now, we have to include inc- and incorporate technology into our daily life. Um, I have an almost two-year-old daughter, and she knows how to answer a FaceTime call. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but, you know, we, we are still longing for that level of connection with the people that we care about. So whether it's a, a in-person uh, visit or having a, a connection via a, a video call, I think that that's still very important and gives us some sense of togetherness and some sense of, of belonging. Jennifer, with public health officials suggesting the possibility of wearing masks at family gatherings, limiting numbers, physically distancing, what is the importance of setting boundaries and how do we honor each other's concerns as some of our family may not all agree on what precautions we should take or not take? For sure. It, it's challenging. And I think, you know, we can all appreciate fatigue. It's been a long road. The pandemic has been a very long road. And so we can appreciate people's fatigue around, you know, they just want that to be over and would like to go back to what is some sort of level of normalcy. And I think that is completely understandable. I think, you know, and going back to Emma's point and your point around technology. So, you know, if you have people in your family that and you have that divide around, you know, some people want to wear masks, some people don't want to wear masks. I think, you know, it's about just taking that and bringing it forward up front, right? So having that clear communication at the very beginning, like that if I'm going to have people at my house, this is the this is the expectation. And um, it's really, you know, you want to depersonalize it. It's not about the care you have for a person or the relationship that you have with them historically over your life. Um, it's really just about your own personal choice um, around being health, keeping health, healthy and staying safe. Um, and, you know, you want to, I think what's happening is COVID and all of the sort of safety measures are starting to creep in and people are forgetting what their original relationship was about, right? What the friendship or, and, or other type of relationship was originally about. And so I think it's encouraging people to build that back into the, can, into the relationship. So if we're having, you know, if I have to have a zoom call with a family member, because we're on different pages around masking, then maybe I want to set the tone for that zoom call to say, I think I want to focus on this or, have our conversation about what it is that we, why we care about each other so much, you know, let's share some memories that we have or talk about what we want to do in the future. Um, you know, you want to communicate to each other why you're important to each other and what drew you together in the first place. And what is the foundation of your relationship? Cause I think COVID is starting to, you know, it has ha- helped us forget a little bit about what we, the relationships that we used to have, but again, being fairly clear at the beginning of organizing that event with, so everybody knows and we're all on the same page and it's um, not something that you're sort of sorting out on the doorstep. Jennifer, health officials are saying, if you're feeling sick, then stay home. 
and we're so used to pushing ourselves uh, and, and we don't want to disappoint others. How do you suggest managing the guilt associated with our fear of disappointing people? Because that sort of weighs heavily and especially with the pandemic. Um, if we are feeling sick, we don't know quite what's behind it. Yeah, that goes back to those shoulds, right? That if I'm a good friend, I'm a good daughter, I'm a good mom, I'm a good niece, cousin, then I should be there. I should be attending, right? So um, I'm. people have this misconception that in the past, even before COVID, really, that if I'm a little bit under the weather, that I'm taking the easy way out, or I'm, you know, we, we sort of, I think, misunderstand self-care and selfish. Those are not the same thing. Um, you know, having care for yourself is actually very important, right? In order to care for other people, and we've heard this a million times, but it's true. You cannot take care or care for other people if you have very little left in your own tank of reserves. So, and, you know, the only person that can refill your own energy tank or your own self-care tank is you. So we are responsible and, and accountable to do that and take care of ourselves. Um, and the same is true around, you know, the pandemic highlights this in a much different or much more, I guess, accountable way, right, around making that decision that do I want to be that person that's in that lineup of people that transfers the, this virus to somebody that I care about? Um, and probably the answer is no. So, you know, I would say that it's a little bit about examining where that guilt comes from for yourself. It's probably a historical, you know, related to, well, this is the expectation I put on myself that I always do everything that people ask me to do, or I always show up, or I always take care of other people. I'm that person. Um, but I think it's also, if you're a good friend and a good daughter, sister, cousin to other people, that doing that to yourself, being a good friend to yourself is equally as important. Emma, we hear a lot of things. We've referred to this uh, several times now in this conversation, uh, things like self-care and wellness. Can you give us a, a mental health 101 definition of self-care and wellness and, and uh, maybe help us better understand what that means in our lives? Yeah, sure. And so self-care can be a, a, quite a variety of things. It's very uh, personal. So um, what I may consider self-care, you you may not. You may have some very different activities that are, are self-care strategies that work only for you. So self-care can be anything from going for a walk, listening to music, having a phone call with a friend, um, gardening, exercise, anything that is about refilling your energy and, and giving you time to recharge. So that, that, that can really, it's, it's a very personal thing. And, and the list is quite endless in terms of what, what self-care strategies are. Well, we hear people talk a lot about the importance of taking breaks. You, both of you have referred to this uh, in our conversation. What about the role of alcohol and cannabis in, in this idea of self-care and wellness? So alcohol, I mean, substances in general, um, you know, are around the holidays, of course, it, they sort of can go hand in hand, depending on your family or their group that you're sort of socializing with. It's not uncommon. Um, but, you know, we try to tell people, of course, things in moderation is important and know your own limits and know what's safe. Um, but, you know, if you have 
people who have pre-existing um, symptoms of depression or sadness or isolation, what happens with depression is, or what, uh, with alcohol is it's actually a depressant. Um, so chemically it's a depressant. So if you have, if your mood is already low or not doing very well, um, alcohol, what we would say is it's like the water on the garden that's going to grow that. So it, it's a funny thing because temporarily substances and alcohol give you the illusion that you're feeling better, that your lift, your mood is lifted, but chemically it's, it's growing that depression in the brain. So, you know, it's just being cautious for people around uh, knowing themselves, going back to that, you know, check up from the neck up or taking your temperature, really being honest with yourself. And that's part of self-care, right? Is being honest with yourself to know where, what are, how are you feeling? If I had to rate myself, my mood, my physical um, health, my mental health, my emotional health, if I have to rate them all individual on scales of one to 10, where are they? And what can I do to move them? up that scale a little bit of a notch, right? That's, I think, you know, one good way to take the, take your temperature and and make that decision around, you know, is it something that I do have that, that glass of wine or that drink, or do I instead bring something different to drink? Because that's going to, I know that that will help me more. Emma, how do routines play a role in helping people manage at this time of year? And uh, again, could you maybe distinguish that from uh, what we were talking about earlier about traditions and feeling obliged? I think that some people really thrive on routine. It um, creates some concrete boundaries as to what, uh, and it's a way for them to manage their expectations and going back to that should, this is what I should do. But in terms of routine, if someone has time set aside or a schedule in place uh, to kind of guide how they go about doing all the things that they think they should do. Um, It'll help support them getting through kind of that list of uh, priorities that they've created for themselves. So sometimes routine can be a really good and helpful thing. Jennifer, what if it truly gets to be too much? Where can I get additional support? Uh, I would say, well, first I would say don't wait till it's too much. Um, you know, reach out before it gets to be too much. One of the things that we've started talking to people about is learning, go and see somebody and reach out and talk to somebody to know what your baseline is, right? So if I need to know what my standing temperature is, for example, what's my rating on my one to 10? Do I normally is my baseline, you know, well, I'm about a seven normally, then I need to know that. And so I can know that, hey, six is below my baseline or eight is doing pretty well. So I would say reach out for help. Of course, the walk-in clinic is always available, you know, every Tuesday and Thursday. And Emma can talk more about that in specifics. But, you know, I, we've since we launched that in October of 2017, it's been an unbelievable reception from the community. And it has uplifted the team's um, morale and energy and feeling like they're really helping the helping people in the community immediately. So, and I, you know, I think it fits the lifestyle that we're all leading now. Um, most people don't have that ability to say, well, I want to go talk to a counselor every Wednesday at two o'clock because their life is not as um, scheduled as it was 20 years ago, right? We work all kinds of different shifts. We work multiple jobs. We have multiple responsibilities for caretaking. So the walk-in is a good, I would say a good example. 
And if it's not for formal supports, then, I, you know, there are lots of informal resources to reach out to in terms of, you know, peers. I, I can't say peer support enough. Um, peer support is a really great way to get that mirror, somebody that knows you or in any capacity and is able to say, you're right, I'm not sure over the last couple of weeks, I've noticed that um, you're not doing as well. You look a little bit more tired. Emma, what would you like to add? Uh, just adding on to the walk-in clinic, I think that it's it's a really good model for uh, people to reach out and get care in. Um, it almost feels like a less formalized way. So it's, it's much more um, supportive to people who want to come in. Um, they, they have something on their mind they want to explore. And also for our staff, we're typically healthcare workers, we're fixers, we want to be able to address a problem and put in a solution and and know that that's been fixed all in one kind of fluid motion. So it's been really helpful for not only our clients, but our staff as well. Um, Just some info about our walk-in clinic, we operate Tuesdays and Thursdays, Tuesdays are eight till four, Thursdays are 10 till six. Uh, People can come in and receive a same day therapy session and walk away with um, a brief synopsis of everything that they've been co- was covered in the session and some strategies that they can try at home. Um, so it's been really great. In order to uh, come to the walk-in uh, clinic, people can either walk in and have a session in person, or we also offer it uh, virtually over phone. So people can call our walk-in line at 905-377-7784, and, and we'll start the process to get them seen. Jennifer, with this incredible increase, the doubling, more than doubling of, of demand, are there any plans in 2022 to expand the walk-in clinic and increase services? That would be great. We would love to increase the walk-in clinic. Uh, the walk-in clinic has, you're, just like you're saying, Rob, it's been so well received and it is um, your with your note around crisis, it's responsive, right? People don't have to wait. I, I mean, I, they don't have to wait minimally amount of time. They just have to wait for the next Tuesday or Thursday to come around. Um, so it, it's available and flexible in that way. And I, I agree that that expanding that people don't have to go on the wait list and wait for, you know, the, what would be the traditional kind of pathway. Um, so it really is connected for that crisis response, but also for people that are just thinking, I'm not sure that I really know I want to go to counseling forever, but I do want to see how, what it's about and talk to somebody and see how I'm doing and get that strategy. I am, I loved, I've have always loved that people leave with the note that they, of what they talked about, because, you know, like all of us, we're, you know, we walk out and think, oh, I forget what that other suggestion was. So that's really helpful. But to go back, yes, we would love to expand the walk-in. The walk-in is, was really um, done with no additional resources. It was just a reorg of what we already have on the team and also an expansion of our partnerships. So Rebound is also, Rebound Child and Youth Services is a great partner through the walk-in. And so they're available as well. And they, uh, that that's expanded the clinic to ages seven and up. So really reaching out to that youth population as well at this time that I think really could benefit um, from that support. But but yes, we're always interested in expanding <laughs> for sure. Well, I, I'm glad you're aspirational about this, but are there any plans uh, for the 2022 20, year to expand it? Has, is that in the budget? Is, is Are there discussions going on? Are there concrete things being done that are looking seriously at, at maybe implementing that over the next year? 
Um, I, I mean, Emma can probably take it a little bit more than I can. When I was in that role, part of the balance was trying to, because it's using the same resources that we currently have. Um, so it would be a balance between expanding the walk-in. We could expand the number of days, but it would reduce on the other end the number of um, ongoing services that are provided through the same team. Um, but there's always, you know, if there's al always any opportunities that we have in terms of Ontario Health to expand our resources, we would be very happy to do so. So Emma, have you got this on your shopping list for the upcoming provincial election? Absolutely. I'm always very vocal about the needs in our community and trying to mitigate any of the, the gaps in services. So um, I, I share my ideas with anyone who's willing to listen to try to bring more supports to, to Northumberland. Jennifer Cox, Emma Taylor, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks, Rob. It's a pleasure. Thank you. That was Jennifer Cox, Vice President of Integrated Care, and Emma Taylor, Interim Integrated Director for Community Mental Health at Northumberland Hills Hospital. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening, and stay tuned for more from Consider This.